ברוכים הבאים בשם השם ברכנוכם מבייס השם. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. This week, Shabbos, Shabbos, Mevarch Machedesh, Chedesh Kislev. The Shabbos that we bless, the new month of Kislev. The month of miracles. And may it be such that all those in need of a miracle should be blessed with a miracle. Whatever way it might be, whether it be children, Panasa, Yeshuas of any site, any kind. It's a week of miracles. Pasha's Tildes speaks of many different types of miracles that, that transpired. Many bewildering actions. The fact remains a miracle is bewildering. A miracle is a perplexing issue in that it's not nature. And therefore, Hashem sees to it that each and every miracle each and every miracle should be done in a natural way so that it's enclosed within nature so that one can actually think that it's an actual nature, natural thing. Let us take, for example, childbirth or conception. Science has it down to a science, as they say. Medical history. The woman's action, the man's action, etc. And there becomes an ovulation, there becomes a pregnancy. And world starts with this new embryo and it becomes a child. The child remains in the womb for X amount of months, and the child comes out in X amount of time. The birth can be done, God willing, regularly usually. But it can be done with a C-section as well. Some people just take it for granted. It happens. Tells us the Tata that no. Tata teaches us that in essence every miracle is enclosed in a natural way so that one could actually think that this is a natural status. It happened because this is how it usually goes. This is the way of the world, as we say. But in truth, truth to be told, because everything is in the hands of God, therefore everything is miraculous. So the fact that a woman becomes pregnant... The woman has a child, is blessed with carrying a child, carries a child for the duration, and is blessed with a normal child. There are myriads of miracles that go on, that transpire. The conception, the health of the mother and the child throughout the pregnancy, the birth of the child, the normalcy of a child, taken for granted by so, so many people and yet such a great, great phenomenal miracle that nobody could ever even imagine duplicating.
Torah tells us in the beginning of our parsha, Ve'la Torah is Yitzchak ben Avraham. Avraham is Ha'ilad is Yitzchak. This is the birth. These are the children of Yitzchak, the son of Avraham. Avraham bore Yitzchak. Now immediately the Mechamesh, the Mikra, the little child, the start of the Nechumesh, is bewildered and perplexed. And he says, Huh? Why the repetition? <laughs> Why say it so many times? This is the birth of Yitzchak, this is the children of Yitzchak, Yitzchak the son of Avram, Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. But again, we revert to what we were just talking. The miracle of childbirth. The miracle that transpires when a woman becomes pregnant. And the miracle of the woman carrying the child, etc. Here we experience a very, very great miracle, as we all know. That we discussed in recent parshas. Avram Avinu was no youngster. Avram Avinu was 99 years old when he had his bris mila, his circumcision, and at the age of 100, fathered his child. So Yitzchak was born to a 100-year-old father. Today's day and age, people would do the same as they did then. Rashi explains. My dear ch- child, you're learning the Pasuk and it's bewildering you. Allow me to explain to you what happened here. Sign up from your phone. I think my wife is looking for it. To get the password. She just signed on it and fell off. It's me. Rashi explained. With Fishahayu. There were the, the scoffers, the people that made a joke out of everything. Amrim, what did they say? Meavi Melech is Avra Sora. They couldn't deny that Sarah was pregnant. They couldn't deny she was carrying a child. But they were denying who the father was. And their denial, they said, it was not Avram, because he was so old, so ancient. But rather, it was Avimelech. Avimelech was the father of the child. 
Now we know indeed that that was not the truth. We know indeed that Baruch Hashem, Sarah was a very, very holy woman. Sarah Imenu would not chas As an Ashes Ish, a married woman, go with another man. But yet, the scoffers implied, spread a rumor throughout the pregnancy, saying Sarah became pregnant, but not from Avraham. It's not possible. Rashi says, "What did the God do?" He made a perfect clone of Avram and he made it in the face Yitzhak's face. Thank you. So the Yitzchak and Avram looked exactly alike. Wow! What a miracle! What a phenomenal miracle God did. He made a child look like the father. My dear listeners, Today's day and age, we might take many things for granted. We take for granted pregnancies, we take for granted, as we said before. But take for granted that a child is going to look like the father. No, thank you. That's off the charts. It's, it's, a, it's a given. A child looks like the father or like the mother. Sometimes we'll see it look like the grandparent. Because the genes in the family, etc., etc. We're not going to go into a full biology class. But to say that the Almighty made a miracle, and the miracle was that (laughs) Yitzchak looked like his father, (coughs) it's mind-boggling. And to tell us the way Rashi says that he made that Ma Baruch God went out and did out of his way went and did this. It implies that this was a specific miracle that Yitzchok looked like his father Avram. Shocking. The nature is a child looks like the father. The Mishnah is in the Mishnah for those keeping score at home, it's Mishnah is Idias. Pedic Bez, the second Pedic, the second Mishnah. And on Pirish Mishnah in the Rambam explains that the fact that a child looks like the father 
is because the child, is, in America the expression is, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And you will find, therefore, quite often time, mannerisms, behaviors, expressions, facial expressions, physical expressions, that a child does mimicking the father. Some cases can be because they see it all the time. They see this as monkey see, monkey do. I'm not calling any of my children monkeys. Excuse me. No. Um, I've called them many things but never monkeys. If you come into you'll see, you know, it's very interesting, you find the same thing with speech um, impediments. If a man, a parent stutters, you'll find sometimes, very, more often than time, the children will stutter. Um, you don't always find all the great, great attributes of the, child, of the father or the mother in the child. Sometimes you wonder how did that child came from such a parent. But the bottom line, the general gist of a situation is that a child models their parent. Hence, the child looks like the father. The child on the street, they say, oh! There's Shmerel's son, there's Ruvain's son, because we know that this is the way this family lives. We all know, Kabbalah tells us, that there are different, ten different attributes which God rules the world, rules or enlists the world. The commonplace attributes of Chesed, Givura, and Tiferes. Chesed being the attribute of kindness. Now, technically I would say Givura almost sounds like the opposite of Chesed. So if Chesed would be kindness, generosity, amicability, um, pleasantries, then you'd say Givura was just the opposite. Mean and degenerate it almost becomes to a negative by being the opposite of the word chesed but that's not what it is at all in the person's approach to any given workload, any given action that a person does in life you have the person that wakes up in the morning, his gaba kari, jumps out of bed like a lion. Why? You have a person that after sukkis, for example, in Chabad we don't put on tefillin and chalamayit. So after sukkis, for example, where the two days of sukkis and the days of chalamayit, and then shmini atzeres, and then Simcha stayed there. Nine days! The person didn't put on tefillin. That next morning, right after Yom Tif, where everybody is so exhausted, so drained and so worn out, 
You have the person that jumps up early and says, I need to put on my tefillin. I miss my tefillin. Now the truth is, we're not going to go into the Avedis HaTfilet today. But obviously if a person didn't wear tefillin throughout the Yom Tif, they did daven those shachas. But the Aveda tefillah was different in such a way that the tefillin was not needed for the tefillah to be elevated, for the prayer to be elevated. Mashenkin on weekdays where the person does put on tefillin is a total different connection with God. We won't go into right now. So you have the person that gets up the morning after Yom Tif and rises up with a fur, with a fire, with a flame. Give me that first moment that I can put on my tefillin. I miss my tefillin. And he takes his tefillin out of the bag like a B'mitzvah boy. Like a B'mitzvah boy, the first time he put on tefillin, that excitement. And the truth of the matter is, it says, the mitzvah tefillin is mentioned right before Baha'u'llah's Chesanedah's. We're Aaron Akayin Litimineda. And we learn from this that Aaron Akayin, when he lit the Mineda each and every day, he lit it with the same excitement and the same burn as he did the first time he lit it. He never got boring to him. This is a cool job. He didn't become complacent. He came to light his Mineda with the same excitement that he did the first time he did it. We learn from here that when we put on film, we must do the same. How difficult is that when we put on every morning and many of us put on, we're still not sure if we're awake. So the person therefore gets up in the morning after Yom Tif with a burn in his desire. My tefillin, my tefillin. He puts on his tefillin right after Yom Tif. Then you have the person that has no problem feeling hungover from Yom Tif and saying the Yom Tif was so hard. I haven't slept all week long. Dancing Simchas Beis Hasheva, dancing on Simchas Teira Shmini Atzeres, staying up all night at Shanerabah saying to Hillam, "I need a break." And comes Israchag the day after Yom Tif, and the person says, "I gotta sleep in." But your tefillin is waiting. Your tefillin are waiting for you to put them on. And he says, my tefillin have no legs, they're not going nowhere. And he gets up when he's ready. And he goes to the mikveh. And he prepares himself and he davens like a mensch. But he doesn't have that is slavus for the mitzvah of tefillin. Where he misses it. The gaguim. The yearning. Avram Avinu, so therefore, attributes of Chesed and Gevura 
although they are in an essence opposite, but they are not opposite at all. They are an approach, they are a mannerism which a person does his mitzvahs. The person, the Balchesed, sees no wrong in a person. The Balchesed finds a, a, a reasoning and an excuse for each and every Jew. Masha'inkin, the Balgvura, says that's not the way you have to approach this. He, can, he has zero tolerance for lackadaisical and for compla- non-complacent people. And therefore the Balgvura says, you need to come in with strength, you need to do this with fervor. The Balgheset says, it's okay, my kind. Mimele, you see it on their face, you see it in their eyes. You see the kindness in a person's eyes. You say, ah, look at this person. You see he wants to help. He wants to do, he wants to have another Jew enjoy something. And then you have the Balgvura, the person that lives on Gvura. And you, it's scary to talk to him. But he's getting his same message across. Avram Avinu was Midas Achesed and Ava Lakadish Baruch. The Pasik tells us in Yeshaya, Perik Mem Aleph Pasik Ches, for those keeping score at home, he refers to Avram Avinu as Avram Oyavai, my beloved Avraham. Mashenke Yitzchok, whereas Yitzchok, his son, was Midas HaGvura and Yira from God. You can serve God through love, you can serve God through fear. As the Pasuk tells us in Pashas Vayetze, Perik Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Membez, chapter 31, verse 42, and refers to Yitzchak as Yitzchok. The fear of Yitzchak. So therefore, in essence, we find their essences. Avram and Yitzchak were total opposites. And in essence, they should not have looked at all like one another, because the chesed should be radiant on Avram's face and the gvura on Yitzchak's face. But yet, although nature dictates it one way, God performed a miracle. Ma osa kodesh baruch Rashi says, "What did the Abish to do?" Tzakluster ponov shel Yitzchok deimel Avram. He formed the look of Yitzchok's face exactly like Avram, which was totally unnatural for a balgvura, a person who lives from the attribute of givura. To look like a person of chesed. There was no flaw in his gvura, believe me. But, he was not 
in order that the people should not think that he was not Avram's child, this is what was done. But in Yitzchak himself, as we see later, the blessing that Yitzchak gives, May the Almighty give to you from the dew of heavens and from the fatness of the earth. In Yitzchak's behavior we find a total contradiction. From one side, as we said, his middle was Gvura. Gvura and Yira. Pachad Yitzchak. And the Medrash says, when Yitzchak says, Le'yadaiti I did not know the day of my death. Yitzchak said, Shema lepedik imi animagia. Maybe I reached my mother's age, which was 127. So I'm five years, I'm only 122 now. I'm five years away from that. So I don't know if I reach my father's age of 175, or my mother's of 127. So Yitzchak was concerned, perhaps he would die. On the other hand, when he benches his son Yitzchak, benches his Yaakov, he gives it in such a way, in such a beautiful, open, giving way of a he should He wishes him all good in spirituality, which is Shemayim, and physicality, which is the land. This is a lesson to each and every one of us. Even someone who carries stringencies upon himself in every given way, and he lives a life of the Kava Gvura and Yira, that he does for himself. When it has to do with other people, though, he can't act that way. The other people he has to act with Chesed has to give without boundaries, has to give with total, total dedication. This is one of the lessons we learn from Yitzchak Avinu. Another very, very powerful lesson that we learn from Yitzchak Avinu Hakel kil Yaakov, v'hayadayim mideisov. Yitzchak wants to bless Esav. What was wrong with him? Did he not know what kind of wicked person Esav was? Really, honestly. But Hasidus tells us Yitzchak's life 
work was Chafar Be'eres. He dug up wells. What is a person that's digging a well? You come to a piece of land, you didn't have any kind of machinery to tell you if there's water beneath here or not. You come to a plain piece of land, earth. And you begin to dig. And by digging deep enough, you find flowing water. Maim Chaim. But what did you begin with? You began with a barren piece of land. What was in hence Yitzchak's Aveda, in essence? To reveal, even in a place that looks void and desolate, it looks like there is absolutely no spirituality and no holiness here. He said, by digging deep enough, you will find sparks of spirituality, of holiness. Mayim Chaim. And this is therefore we understand why he wanted to bless Esav. His intention was to reveal even in Esav, which on the outside looks so far from godliness, he wanted to dig deep enough and to find within him the Kedusha. This is the lesson to each and every one of us. Even by Esav HaRosha, the wicked Esav, Yitzchok involved himself to try to reveal the inners of his soul and to bind him with the service of God. So much more so when we meet somebody far from Judaism, how we need to devote ourselves and give our everything to see to it that we raise them up to spirituality. The question is also, of course, what was he thinking? The bottom line was, Asa was a wicked fellow. Why then did Yitzchak, or why did Rivka actually not reveal his essence? Why does Rivka not turn and tell Yitzchak that you're making a mistake? He was blind. Why was Yitzchak blind? Why did Yitzchak have to be blind for these mitzvahs to happen, for these brachas to happen? The Pasuk tells us, chapter 27, verse 1. Yitzchak became old and his eyes started to weaken. His vision became weak. And Rashi writes the reason that his eyes became weakened 
so that he would give Yaakov the blessings. We know, of course, the story of the Akedah Yitzchak, and as Yitzchak was lying on his back on the altar, his face facing heaven, the angels were so moved by this sight that they cried, and their tears fell into his eyes, blinding him. But it's a shock here, it's a whole not understood, a whole bewilderment. In order for Yaakov to get the brachas, all God had to do was reveal to Yitzchak that Asa was a wicked man. Why make him blind? And even though, and he noticed Yitzchak might have been blind, but he wasn't deaf. He noticed when Esav spoke, he never mentioned God's name, except for OMG. Yeah. So there was a suspicion. There should have been a red flag. Should have flown up that this boy is not righteous. Why did God not reveal to him the truth of Asaph's wickedness? And thereby automatically going to bless Yitzchak Yaakov instead. Why did God have to blind Yitzchak to do this? From here we see, my friends, how far we must stay away from Lashon Hara. God saw to it and preferred blinding Yitzchak so that he would not know what exactly was going on in the house and a blind person is considered like they're dead. How extreme is that to make him blind to actually practically kill him for 57 years of his life But not to say Lashon Hara on Esav. Wow. Even though, as we know, the Gemara tells us, for those keeping score at home, the Mesechtis Kedushin, Yud Ches, on the beginning of Amar Aleph. Kedushin 18, the beginning of the side one. Avshahoi Yisrael Mumar. Esav was a Yisrael Mumar, he was a Apikadis. If this was such by Esav, that the Almighty was so careful and so immaculate not to speak Lashon Hara about Esav, how much more so is it by a fellow Jew, by each and every Jew, never to ever, God forbid, speak Lashon Hara. In the summer of 1827, the Mittler the son of the Alter Rebbe, traveled to Hadich, to the resting place of his father, the Alter Rebbe. But throughout the journey, he was very, very serious. Did not speak, did not deliver any discourses, Hasidic discourses. He was not interested in hearing what other people had to say to him. He was very, very distant 
When he tried to write Chassidus instead, the pen kept falling out of his hand. He took this as a sign from the Almighty. To overpower his gevura that he had. The Alter Rebbe represented Chesed and the Mitle Rebbe gevura. At one point he made an observation. He said, My father, the Alter Rebbe, was 54 years old. He was arrested and taken to Petersburg. Second time. At that point in heaven, there was a decree. And they gave him a choice. To suffer or to die. He chose to suffer. And he left death for me. This is what the Mitla Rebbe said. Mitla Rebbe arrived in Hadich. In time for Rosh Hashanah. Chassidim gathered around, this is the year 5588, Chassidim gathered around, they came from all different areas to come to the shul, the makeshift shul that they had set up there, to hear Chassidim from the Mitla Rebbe. At one point he went out to the oil, to his father's grave, and he returned after a very, very long time, and he said, I've persuaded my father to promise that I will be relieved from my position as Rebbe. The Chassidim took this to mean that he was leaving to Israel. He would go to the Holy Land and would leave them behind. And they said to him, how could you leave us a flock without a shepherd? And he said, my son-in-law, the Tzemach Tzedek, Menachem Mendel, will be a very faithful shepherd. After Yom Tif, he traveled, began to travel back. And he went through the city of Nezhen. In Nezhen, he fell very ill. This is in Kislev now. And on Tes Kislev, which was his birthday, he was in Nezhen, very, very ill, as we said, and on Tes Kislev, his birthday, he returned his holy neshama. So the Mitla Rebbe's yard site and birthday were on Tes Kislev, but the Mitla Rebbe was 54 years old. As he mentioned that his father, at 54, was given a choice to go suffer and torture in prison or to die, he said his father at 54 suffered and he at 54 Died. passed away. So we saw in that that the attributes of the father and the son of the chesed and the gvura met almost halfway. Many different things transpire in this week's parsha. The sale of the Bechir, of the firstborn rights. <coughs> the marriage 
of Esav to Machla. Machlas. Machla, I mean, was the daughter of Yishmoel. The blessing of Yaakov to his children, of Yitzchak to his children. And as we know, the beginning of the parasha, the passing of Avram Avinu. It was on the Avram Avinu's day of his funeral that the sale transpires between the Becher of the firstborn rites of Esav to Yaakov. Dov Merv? I doubt. As Yaakov was to steal the blessings, he was petrified. What would happen? Asa would kill him. He was petrified what his father would say if he knew that he was fooling him. He took, therefore, on his mother's advice, the skins of sheep, etc. As we know how the story goes, Hakel Kel Yaakov Aydayim Esav. In the days of the Bashem There was a chassid. Not a chassid, I'm sorry. He was not at all a chassid. He was a God-fearing Jew, but nowhere near being a chassid. And this fellow Avram passed away before their bar mitzvah. Not before their birth. That's why it says, okay, let's do the math. It's on the end of the last week's parsha, correct? But it continues here, the death of the day of the Leviah is the beginning of this week's parsha where Yitzchak and Yaakov and Esau were born. Um... Yitzchak, when the children were born, was 60 years old. Okay? As it says in the beginning of the Pasha, it says, Yitzchak ben Avram, Avram ben Yitzchak, Yitzchak ben Shishim, Shana, Beledes, Eisam. Yitzchak was 60 years old. Hence, by the Bar Mitzvah, he was 73. Avraham was 100 when Yitzchak was born. He was a hundred years old when Yitzchak was born. 
then 73 years later he was 173. Huh? If he was 173, what? why does the say he was 175 when he died? Because just, and we know that he died right before they became a mitzvah because he shouldn't see Esav not behaving the way he should. Because until Bar Mitzvah, he behaved. Well, my question is to you. So the Medish tells us that yes, Yitzchak was 60. No, Avram was not 160. How come? Avram was now 162. And 13 years later, was 175 when he passed away. How does this work? If he was 100 when the baby, was, when the boy Yitzchak was born, and 60 years later Yitzchak has a child, he should be 160. Yitzchak, according to the Medrash, as he lay there on the Akeda, his neshama flew out and stayed in Ganeden for two years. It stayed in Ganeden for two years. He didn't age. So after the two years, he was 37 still, but Avram was 139. Because Avram was 100 when he was born, he was 37 when he took him to the Akedah. See, now he was 37, and Avram was 139. Fast forward from 37, 23 years later, Yitzchak turned 60. 23 years later, from Avram being 139, he was 162. Hence, 13 years later, he was now 175. Although Yitzchak was 60 when he gave birth to the children, and was now 73, but that was because he did not gain, he did not chronologically add those two years to his lifetime when Avram Avinu did. How do we know this has any feasibility? When Yaakov comes in for a bracha, for his blessing, Yitzchak says, I smell the smell of Gan Eden. <laughs> like to lis- ask anyone listening to this year, anyone that listens in the future to this year, I challenge you to tell me what the smell of Gan Eden looks and smells like, except for your wife's challenge. My tomato sauce. Uh. Or Hamin, or wherever it might be. Since Mama's cooking, what did you smell that smelled like Gan Eden? And the fact is, we don't know what the smell of Gan Eden is. We'd say, ah, sometimes you taste something, you say, ah, it's at the Tam Gan Eden. The Shemek from Gan We don't know what it really is. It's an expression. We use expressions all the time. And we have to watch how we use expressions. Have I told the story last week or not? 
the two brothers, one of them looked after his mother always, his aged, old, elderly mother. He wouldn't leave his, I told him by Shabbos table, I didn't tell him about Shia. He looked after his elderly mother always. And he wouldn't leave her side. So he gave up his whole life. He didn't get married. He didn't go on vacations. He would never leave his mother. And he also had a pet cat. Sorry, people with the cats. No cat? Okay. It's okay, it's okay. He had a pet cat that he loved and adored. Anyway, his brother finally convinced him, I will look after Mama and the cat. You must go on vacation. So, with a heavy heart, he gets an airline ticket, and he flies on vacation. But, his mind and heart are still at home. And he arrives at vacation, the next day he calls home and says, No, how's my cat? And he says, the cat is dead. He says, what? It's a healthy cat. It ran out in the street and got run over by a car. It's dead. He says, my dear brother, how could you talk like that? Be kind. You know how much the cat means to me. Speak softly. Tell me the cat is on the roof. And the cat is, is falling and we're trying to catch it. We're trying. Oh no, we missed it. Oh no, the cat fell. We're going to take it to the vet. We're going to see what happens. And tell me that a day or two later, tell me, call me back and tell me the cat died. How be so coarse and so cold-blooded and just tell me the cat's dead. You're right, I'm sorry. And he says, never mind, how's mama? And he says, well, she's on the roof. And, um, yes, definitely. We have to know how to express ourselves first. The power of expression is very, very powerful. Um, you drink. <laughs> So this fellow, let's switch gears. Let's better tell a story of the Alter Rebbe. He had a chassid. The story of the Moshemtiv is not with a chassid that had to become a chassid. It didn't become a chassid in the end anyway, even though Moshemtiv saves him. The Alter Rebbe, there was a Bergemeister. There was a person that ran the city. He was like the mayor. He was a chassid of the Alter Rebbe's. He was a Jewish chassid. And he ran everything. Now in the time of communist Russia, at the time of the Alter Rebbe, Jews were not the most liked people. Only one person that the Russians hated worse than an actual Jew is a Catholic Russian that decided to convert to Judaism. That was the worst thing that they could possibly do. And this Bergemeister, this Chassid, had a patent. What was the patent? The tent was, 
he had access to all the records, birth and death records of the town. So when a Jew, when a guy came and wanted to convert, and he was serious about it, and he really wanted to be a chassid he found in the records a Jew that passed away and was around the same age as this guy. He took the guy's records and he marked the guy as deceased. The non-Jewish name died and the Jewish name came back to life. And this convert took on the identity of this old, the old Jew. The dead Jew. In other words, the Jew had died a year, two, three, or four before. And it was the same age as this guy. So the guy now became the dead one, and the Jew became the back to life. The, the back to life correct. And this worked a few times. Until, of course, he got caught. Arrested. And there was to be a trial. Chassid immediately got out on bail and he ran to the Alter Rebbe. He told his Wolfield tale to the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe said, I hear you. Push off the trial. And come back a week before. He got the trial postponed. A week before the new date, he comes to the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe says, you know what? Get the trial postponed and come back a week before. And this happens several times until he says, Rebbe, I can't anymore. They don't allow there's no more excuses. They heard everything. The Alter Rebbe said, Listen, I have a grandchild about to get married. And the child is going to marry the grandchild of the Holy Badichava. Go the night before the wedding to the Badichava. Only he can save you. The Chosid ran to Badichav. Much to his chagrin, he found out that he's not the only one looking for a blessing by the Holy Badichava. The line was very, very long. He decided it's a life and death matter. He has no other way out. He pushed his way through the line. Pushed and pushed and pushed, and hours and hours going by. The night went through and people started to go home. Started, the line dissipated. Before he knew it, boom, someone pulled him into the room. They shoved him in a corner of the room of the Badichva and said, Shh, wait to be called. Wait till the Badichva notices you. He looks and he sees the Badichva lying on a bed. And his two chsidim sitting on each side of the bed. And they are reading. One is reading Mishnayis. And one is reading Zoyar. Simultaneously. And the Badichva is lying there in a sleep. But in his sleep suddenly, the Badichva corrected 
the Mishnayis or the Zayar, as soon as either one made a mistake, in his sleep the Badichava corrected him. And this went on for a few hours. Suddenly the Badichava sat up, he washed Negalasa, and he called over the Chassid. And said, so Why are you here? So he told him his story, how he's the burgomaster of the city, and how he did what he did with the middle gate and everything else. He said, what were you doing being a burgomaster? Who asked you to be a burgomaster of a city? It's not a job for a nice Jewish boy. So he says, you're Mechutten, the Alter Rebbe. Oh, my holy Mechutten said, oh, 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 oh. And who asked you to make this convert? Your Mechutten, the Alter Rebbe. Oh, my holy Mechutten did it. It must be all right. It must be good. And he kept asking him questions, and every time he answered him, the Alter Rebbe, he would say, oh, oh, my holy Mechutten is definitely going to be good. Finally, the Badichva told him, listen, everything I ask you, you have the same answer. And the fact of the matter is, this is not the answer. Everything is because the Alter Rebbe told you to do it. It can't be, there can't be anything bad from this. The Alter Rebbe told you it's going to be fine. He ran back to the Alter Rebbe. And he told the Alter Rebbe what the Vedicheva said. And he said, ah, you see, I told you. This Mechutten is something special. Hmm. The next morning, he's supposed to report to court. But he comes to the court and he sees the whole town hall there is burnt to the ground. With every single document. And the judge tells him, your case is in there. And since there's nothing left of your case, we can't try you. And he inquired and he found out that the fire broke out when he was by the Badichva. The same time when the Badichva kept saying, Oh, 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 the Al-Tarebbe, oh, how holy, and how nothing bad can happen if it's the Al-Tarebbe told you to do it. During that time, the fire broke out and destroyed every given document. And thereby the man was saved. So whereas we see, Whereas we see sometimes the blessing comes through deceit, through a, a path, a road that we don't understand, we don't know where it's coming from. By connecting ourselves to the Rabbeim, to the Alter Rebbe, by saying Tanya every day, and by connecting yourself every day to the Rabbeim, through doing what they want you to do, all the blessings that you ask and you beseech will come into fruition. All your prayers will be answered and will merit to to children, to life, to longevity, to Parnassah, and that ultimately will be, we will merit to see this Shabbos the day of miracles, the day that the Rebbe came home, came back, went home, the day the Rebbe was declared healthy and fit to lead us and to teach us and to give us so many more years and so much more life and vigor. It's on this day we will see in merit of this day 
we will see even before that day to come, even tonight, the merit of the ultimate redemption of Mashiach Tzidkenu, and we will all find ourselves in Yerushalayim, Yerakadosh, Amen, Ken Yehidotzein, Shabbat Shalom to all. Shabbat Shalom.